This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Welcome back. Ooh, we are in the transitions of seasons here on the front range of the Rocky Mountains in Boulder, Colorado, and things have been moving fast. Uh, we fall hit, fall hit hard. I'm talking like where one day this tree goes from like 50 shades of beautiful to 50 shades of majestic to 50 shades of like what? to like gone. It's been amazing being here at this time of the year and enjoying what I would say is one of the best places in the world. And um, I have a few podcasts I'm going to do with the batch podcast intro thing again, breaking normal style. And I'm doing it live on Instagram as well. Um, I'm actually just sitting here rough, rough. You might see him a little bit here. I'll show you rough, rough. There he is. Mm -hmm. Guy's a young stud. He eats, the only person that eats more tri-vitamins than me is probably him. Oh, wow. He's really making a show right now. Okay. I got to stop saying his name. <laughs> so the thing on the tri-vitamins front, we got this new seasonal batch of the elk antler. This is not Chinese deer antler. This is North American elk antler trimmed when it's peaking in its velvet state, flash frozen, and then freeze dried and milled into this powder that's really extraordinary. And because we're mixing it with not uh, with wild elk liver and heart, it is the only product in the whole marketplace like this. You can't find this anywhere else. So I will say a few things about this elk antler because this is very, this is a little different than the other organ meats we've served up to this point, such as our staple of bison liver. Like I'm, I eat bison liver, like, hey, whatever. Seven pills here, 10 pills there. I love it. Um, is what I start my morning with. And that's pretty much, I, I think that's what a lot of our customers are doing. But we have a lot of customers reordering for good reasons. And the bison liver, just in case you're new to this whole thing with tribevitamins.com, the sponsor of the show and the company that I'm stewarding, um, that's been a, like a dharmic adventure since it started a few years ago or a couple of years ago in 2020. Um, most people that take that bison liver first thing in the morning seem to experience more stamina throughout the day, uh, boost in libido, like both of those things immediately. And then long-term hair, skin, nails, vision, teeth, it acts as the original multivitamin because it is, there's probably no powder on earth that has more bioavailable retinol and heme iron in it other than bison spleen, which we have that as well in our organ complex. But anywho, I'm, if you haven't used the bison liver for breakfast, first of all, just replace your breakfast with it. That'll save you some money. And it's epic because you're getting all the nutrients your body's looking for and you don't need all those extra calories to weigh you down if you know what I'm saying. And I'm not only saying physically, but I mean to be able to stay sharper throughout the day. Now this, I don't take as casually. The elk antler... I use this specifically for a pre-workout. If I was in a relationship, maybe I would use it for pre-date. Um, it is powerful. Um, it is actually like if you're a, a certain um, professional athletes might not be, a, it might be like in the gray zone about using it, especially the UFC. 
because there was a company once that I think laced their elk antler spray with human growth hormone. And that really confused a lot of things because elk antler specifically does have IGF in it, which is a growth factor that I think is like the final byproduct of growth hormone like this, what's growing the antlers. However, this is not a pharmaceutical growth hormone. If you are at all, I mean, a lot of people, and I guess because people like Joe Rogan are, which I'm so happy he's transparent about his like TRT, his testosterone replacement therapy and others on such wide plat influential platforms. There's a lot of people that are, getting, get, that are getting into pharmaceutical hormones and I am, wow, I am shocked. And I'm like, wow, be careful. Like my dad's been a pharmacist for over 40 years. Be very discerning about what you're doing there. Um, and I would much rather push you in the direction of foods or foods that have been superfoods, like even superfoods like this that are very unique because they're extracted from living velvet antler from the North American elk, um, to lean towards those bison liver, bison testicles, bison heart, the bison organs, the bison fat, like use what the people that lived on this land before Europeans ever arrived here as medicine and have thrived on, use that first before you go to the pharmacy for um, whatever optimi optimization you're looking for. This is what I would say would be a great pillar before that. And in, in traditional Chinese medicine, um, antler is known to um, enhance or activate like liver and kidney function and libido. That's what it's really known for, especially in like Taoist longevity traditions. And then also really well known for uh, helping people with joint health, specifically like hip health. So there's a lot of older people that use this and love this for their hip and joints. And then uh, for what I love it for, and what a lot of other athletes love it for is pre-workout. Take five of these. Woo! Be careful. Don't, like as I'm saying, you could take 30 bison liver and be fine. I would not recommend, I don't know what would happen. I think you'd be fine with this too. So one of my friends did just take 10 of them the other day before like going out at a concert. And he said he was just like amazingly calm and capable. <laughs> Probably feeling like a bull elk in his prime is what was happening there. So, um, and then the bison tallow bomb that I have right by here, this is the best skincare product ever. Come on, loaded with vitamins A, D, E, and K. All it is is 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison tallow, rendered fat, um, enhanced with organic essential oils, cacao and vanilla. Come on, come on. Um, having a lot of rave reviews about both of these products because they're fairly new. And on the front of Tribe Vitamins, our supply situation is really what our main um, dynamic and logistic is to transcend and overcome. So if you, any of y'all are listening and want to support and you know something about that industry, uh, it's, a, it's, a it's a fascinating game. But yeah, the bison are calling, the elk are calling. We are even hearing callings from other indigenous animals that the USDA does not deal with and other big ideas are being birthed all the time. It's a matter of which ones we're aligned with and taking action on. And um, really the best way to support the whole project is to consume this earth, this animal medicine. I met a lady the other day that was telling me she's a plant medicine distributor. And, and I told her, well, I, I do that with animal medicine. And I gave her some of the bison liver and I got the rumor, I guess she's pretty well known around the parts of Colorado and a rumor has gone around. That's some good medicine. And I'm like, yep. That's why I'm, I'm all in. So it's great to hear from all y'all's results. And I, that, that's the best way. But if you want to um, 
partner in a bigger way with Tribe Vitamins and say, hey, this, this looks like a project that's just at the beginning that could last for lifetimes and beyond. So reach out, reach out, Daniel at breakingnormal.com through my, um, one of my Instagrams, my name or Tribe Vitamins. And finally, to introduce our podcast guest, this is who I was supposed to interview tonight was, is Cute Blackston or Blackson. I haven't, we haven't chatted yet, so I trust I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he author, he's the author of the book, The Magic of Surrender, which I'm like 90 or 85% done with today. Um, I listened to it on Audible 2 Speed. He has a great voice. I'm so excited to interview him. The story is amazing. Just hearing about his dad, it's known to be like a miraculous healer from Africa. And the story of his mom and how he starts the book with a very touching story about the transition of his mother and that, and that being a catalyst for unleashing the magic of surrender in his life was like, wow, you had me in tears. So I'm excited to interview you cute. And what a name K U T E what in the heavens? Um, the previous podcast guest, which I have notes on here. I have his name is Joe. We'll put his full name in the podcast and some show notes. I'm like, I don't know if I even know his last name, but I, what really got me interested in him was that his, I see that he's been listening to plants and he actually has created a product around where you can listen to plants enhanced with his musical genius. Because I was once at a, um, an event in the most Eastern shores of Australia, Byron Bay, Australia at a place called Crystal Castle, which is literally a castles of, of crystals, crystals and more. And one of the things they were doing was a sound demonstration where they would plant, uh, attach sound nodes to leaves of plants and see what they were communicating. And it was just really, just even thinking about that expanded the horizons in my mind of what's possible with plants and communication with them and within myself and my own consciousness. So I've always been very captivated by that idea. So we interviewed them. And man, we talked a lot more than just plants. We talked a lot about uh, breathing, a lot of breath work. He, he used to lead holotropic type of breath sessions before the pandemic. And it's a very interesting story. He's awesome. Um, I'm excited for y'all listening to that one. And the one before that, I don't even have notes on, but it's so memorable. Uh, the notes are somewhere else, but I can tell you off the top because it's from with Big Heart Greg from the, uh, a bison ranch. And this guy, wow. Like imagine big tech now meets regenerative bison ranching. He does, he does both. And he has quite the story to share. And he literally like came to the house with pounds and pounds and pounds of bison testicles. Oh, I said bison testicles and reference came up here. Uh, bison liver and kidney and um, is supplying some of tribe vitamins supplements with what looked to me to be some of the healthiest bison organs on earth. And it's so interesting because he's like a tech guy and this is relatively new. So it was really fun to dive deep into how to bridge the world between bison and big tech with big heart, Greg. So those are the three podcasts that you're listening. You're listening to one of them next. If you haven't listened to all three, that's my, beyond word suggestion. <laughs> All right. I am so grateful for this community. I love how the whole breaking normal concept seems to keep evolving in such so many different iterations around the world constantly. And if you have a suggestion for a breaking normal podcast or 
want to work with a team in whatever capacity or play with a team, you know, we take work and play quite sincerely around these parts, especially living with these two pit bulls. It's almost a necessity. Um, man, my place is like a part of a lab looking like a lab in here. Um, we'll keep breaking normal. Speaking of labs, reach out. Do you, regardless of what it looks like to others, especially if it's healthy and aligned and it's what's, what's best, it's what's best for everyone. And which is usually you being you, especially when it's aligned with what's beating your heart. That's breaking normal, baby. Hey guys, this is Casey, the producer and editor of the Breaking Normal podcast. Uh, Daniel forgot to add something onto the intro there. So we were able to snag it off of his Instagram and here you go. So I just did that live video and I realized I did not mention what other people have been telling me about that elk antler. One, I'll just knit right off a couple. Uh, one being that they took five with a coffee, working out, feel unstoppable. Another guy came over here the other day to buy a bottle personally for me. And he was saying it was like better than Viagra. I'm pretty certain he said that. I don't think he wanted to be on video saying that. So, uh, get yourself some. Oh, and um, if you didn't watch the whole live video and you just want to know quickly what elk antler is traditionally used for it, liver, kidney function, hip and joint health, definitely libido, pre-workout, may be illegal for certain athletes because certain craziness. Learn all about it. Much love, y'all. Aloha, y'all. Wow. What an honor to join y'all from a special evening here in Boulder, Colorado with a, a very special ally. I've been like having this dream of interviewing more bison ranchers slash suppliers for the Tribe Vitamins endeavor. And, um, and it's not easy. I'll tell you right off the bat. It's not super easy to find 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison suppliers that have uh, what I'm looking for. And it's been quite the treasure hunt to establish those relationships. And I feel like that's what's happening here. I'm here with Greg Knott from Memphis Bison Ranch. He just brought over to my home here in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, it seems about like 30 pounds of bison testicles. Some of the healthiest. I, I like right off the bat, I'm like, what in the heavens? You got some big, heavy, big healthy bison <laughs> over there. Um, liver, heart, and kidney. And um, so appreciative for that. And I, I put them on the spot. I'm like, well, while you're delivering those, do you want to do a podcast? And you were a yes. And I feel like um, you listened to a couple podcasts, which was I really, did. you told me that, and you told me you listened to the two of the most recent ones, like The Dentist Next Door, and the, um, which is Jacqueline, Dr. Jacqueline, and then um, the one from Dr. Josh Hant, the ultra marathon runner who's never had a vaccine. And I was like, I was telling y'all, you and your lovely wife here, I was like, well, that's, I don't know many people that are, have never had any vaccine. And then you're like, well, our two, Two sons, you said? Two, two sons. Their ages? Uh, 25 and 27. How did you... Uh, well, I'll ask you the same question right off the bat because that's just such a hot topic lately that's important to a lot of people's hearts uh, because they were confused. Um, and it might just be 
important to hear from people that didn't take the traditional route that the news pressures people to take. Uh, how did y'all get away with this? <laughs> and why? what caused it? Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. If there's a story there, I would love to hear it. There's, I have a lot of stories, and there's definitely one there. One of my best friends at the time when the boys uh, were, well, we were friends before our boys were born, uh, he had a daughter that when she was six months old, she, he took her in to get the normal um, six-month vaccines. And as soon as she got them, she had an epileptic seizure. And she continued to have those frequently. And she, um, they determined that she became mentally handicapped. And she lived until she was uh, in her early 30s but still had the uh, mental capacity of like a two-year-old and struggled with these epileptic seizures all of her life. And so that kind of woke us up, and we started looking into it and just decided that, you know, these aren't the best choice. Now, possibly when they're older, should they get something? Maybe, but this very small infant still very at risk, no way. We're not filling them with all these poisons and the mercury and everything. And we have two extremely healthy sons. They're, you know, growing up, they're thriving, and um, never had a shot. <laughs> what are they up to these days? Uh, one is a prototype machinist, and another, the other, the oldest one, is a over-the-road truck driver. Over the road? What do you mean by that? Uh, long haul. Oh, like, wow. Okay, so he might be shipping some of the bison organs from <laughs> uh, one one of the, my suppliers of the freeze dryer, potentially. Does he do uh, refrigerated trucks? He does. He does. <laughs> but you know, he'll run you know thousands of miles a week. I, I hear that can be a pretty lucrative living. Uh, he could break six figures this year. Okay. And is that over 40 hours a week? There's like a certain, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for someone that's like a voracious audiobook or podcast listener slash reader, I can imagine that would be. Yeah. Hey, hey. And there's something about the open road. I've been to all 50 states, so. Yeah. It's pretty special. And it's just him and his dog. and. Oh, nice. He takes his dog with him. Yeah. What kind of dog does he have? Uh, he's kind of a blue healer, German shepherd mix. And, oh, wow. Okay. Um, all our dogs are rescues from the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And, uh, that's, a, that's a note taken right there. Uh, there's a, a great rescue operation up there by the name of Lightshine Canine, and they rescue close to 2,000 dogs a year off of that one reservation. Well, they're in Rosebud. Wow. Wow, but there are some amazing like dogs, like some really good dogs out yes, there. Yes, there are. Dogs. Well, before I so said, before we go down too many rabbit trails or dog trails, Big Heart Greg, is that the name that I, I think that's how, how did we originally meet from your memory? Yeah. How did we, you get here? We were doing a uh, farmer's market, it was about a year ago on the north side of Boulder, and it was kind of a one off market that we got invited to. And um, it was a Friday evening, and I noticed this, these two beautiful pit bulls running around the market oh, together 
And then the, uh, the guy on the other end of the leash showed up in front of our booth and here we are. <laughs> nice, nice. And then um, what about the big heart part? Big heart bison. Um, there is a story behind that. And, um, you know, we get asked the question, why in the world are you doing bison? And we get to share that story a lot. And it is not something that I ever imagined or would have chosen, but it was very obvious that we were supposed to do this. So that story goes back um, a little over 10 years, and we were um, living a great life. We were in Longmont, just you know, a few miles from Boulder, and I was working in Boulder at the time in um, the software development office. As that's what you were doing? You were doing software development? Um, yeah, and I got into IT and database development. Wow, and a... I'd been in IT for many years. Whoa, 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 surprise. And uh, honestly, I still have my J job in corporate IT right now. Wow, I didn't know that at all about you. <laughs> That's just like a. Re I, I don't know if I've met many bison ranchers that are doing that as well. Um, I'm probably the only one. <laughs> Breaking normal. Absolutely. <laughs> but at the time, I had a friend um, who I worked with was moving to Cheyenne, and he asked us to help him move. And so my boys and I were helping him one weekend, and it was. A Sunday afternoon in May of 2012, uh, we were up there, and my wife was driving up to Cheyenne to pick us up. And as she was driving past the Terry Bison Ranch, which is right on the state line, a very, very large operation. Um, I've taken my daughter there. It's we're up close. You need to stop by and see us too. Yes, that, I mean I must admit that I don't know what else is all out is out there, but to be able to feed the bison, the pellets from like the safety of the train, or I don't know if that's truly safe or not, but it, I was it was a wow experience. Yeah, it is, and we we can feed ours, you know, from our pickup truck. <laughs> and there's there's two or three that'll come right up and stick their head in the window and eat out of our hand. A particular two or three, mm -hmm. like the same ones. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, interesting. I, not to get off topic too much, because I definitely want to hear the story here. Um, well, as she was driving past, you know, you can drive past there. It's 27,000 acres, so you can drive past and not see any animals. But that day, there were several hundred near the highway and the sight of those majestic animals just stirred her heart so much that she knew right then and there that bison isn't our future. And she was just like, you know, her immediate response was, really, God? Buffalo? Are you kidding? Really? So she gets up to Cheyenne, and I'm helping unload a truck, and I'm very tired and cold and sweaty and and she comes running up to me and said, I want buffalo. And I was like, you have got to be kidding. And I not so politely reminded her that I work in corporate IT and 
why would I want to do that? And I know nothing about agriculture, hmm. except that Ralphie is probably the greatest uh, mascot in the history of the world. Ralphie, but, just for people that don't know. Uh, Ralphie is the mascot here in CU at Boulder. And they have a live buffalo that runs at the uh, opening and the halftime of the football games. And it's, um, go on YouTube and look. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I've been so close to that happening. Is it every home game they do this? I believe they do. I got to go see. I got to get tickets yeah. just to see this one time. Uh, and That's can, the one I'm most interested in because the team. Yeah, oh, man, well. Yeah, they go. Everything I, I just doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> but, but the mascot is, is impressive. And you can see it on, on YouTube. There's quite a few videos there. Awesome. That's a good suggestion. I've been aiming. I've met a few of the players, and I've been planting the seeds about the bison liver. I'm like, come on. Let's, let's, hook, let's get this team yeah. on the bison liver. Maybe that'll make a change. It should. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. You, got, you saw Ralphie, the bison. And then that, I think that's where we were at with the oh, story. <laughs> well, yeah. I, you know, that was about all I knew about Buffalo. Okay. Ralphie was very cool. And she held on to that dream uh, while I tried to forget about it. <laughs> and a few months went past, and that falls. She says, hey, there is a Rocky Mountain Buffalo Association. They're having a fall conference up in Walden, mm. which is up in the mountains here in Colorado. Oh, wow. She said, let's go. And I honestly didn't want to, but I decided that you know, a weekend away would be be nice. It'd be in, been a while. Yeah, where is Walden? Oh, uh, it is not, not where's Waldo, but where's Walden? Kind of straight west of Fort Collins by maybe an hour or so. Oh, cool. Sounds like a cool place. Uh, it's in North Park as opposed to South Park. Okay. And um, you know, it's maybe an hour east of Steamboat. Oh, yummy! So I love Steamboat. And um, so she convinced me to go to this conference. Uh, we get up there, or we left on a Friday about noon. We were driving through the mountains to get there, and it was just an epic fall day. Uh, it was almost exactly 10 years ago. And as we're driving through these mountains, she was talking about buffalo, and she'd been doing some research on this. And she was telling me all about them and how they're this amazing herd animal and they really stick together. And you can't just have one animal, you got to have several uh, because they need a herd to thrive. And she goes, you know, I had sheep as a kid and maybe we could have sheep and buffalo together to start the herd off. And she's looking at me and I'm like, why or why are you asking me? I have no idea. I know nothing <laughs> about this. So we get up to the hotel room, we get checked in, and we go to, down to the, um, the conference room where there was a social hour, and I stepped in the door, and there was a guy like right inside the door. We were two feet away from each other, and he turns to me and points his finger right in my face and said, <laughs> You cannot have sheep and buffalo together. And I was shocked. Uh, yeah. What? Um, I, I was just like, 
oh my gosh, this is, is really weird. Who is that guy? And then he stepped back and said, oh, hey, by the way, I'm so-and-so. I'm the president of the association. And I'm still trying to process this very weird moment. Did did y'all give him a message before? No, No, never met him. literally, but maybe some sort of field here. The very first... The bison field. um, I'd met anybody in the bison world was, you know, meeting this guy. And the only thing I could think was like, I think God's trying to give me an answer here that there's something here and I need to pay attention. The next day was pretty epic. We got to go out on this beautiful bison ranch. Um, We met, you know, some very amazing people that have now become lifelong friends. And, you know, they were always asking about us, you know, where are you from? How many buffalo do you have? And we're like, well, we have none. And then we, you know, they proceed to invite us out to their ranch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started visiting ranches and we joined the Rocky Mountain Buffalo Association. Um, shortly after that, we joined the National Bison Association and just started. Before owning any bison? Oh, yeah. Wow. And um, I would recommend that you join some of those. Yeah. How do you? Um, how does one join those? You can just go online and you know submit your information and a small payment, and there you are. All right. And then you can uh, just start attending the different events that they have, and there's conferences and seminars and different things. Was there a recent one in like uh, Wyoming or something? Because- there was just okay. this last uh, Saturday, and unfortunately we weren't able to attend, but there was, and it was up at the Durham Ranch in uh, Durham Ranch, south of Gillette. Wow! Yeah, that's a good suggestion. Thank you for that. I was like, okay, so here you are. You go. You're going to these meetings, the Bison meetings now. So what? What happens next? Well, I I became pretty intrigued with the lifestyle and started to look into it and you know we were meeting people and it was the next summer that I um it was at the end of June I I got very sick and was um struggling with it went to the doctor several times went to the ER several times and they never could figure out what was wrong well, after three months, and I was missing a lot of work, and I was gravely ill, and a lot of people didn't think I was going to live, and we couldn't figure out what was wrong. But there was a night in September that I was startled awake by an audible voice, and I heard, you are Big Heart Bison. And I sat straight up in bed, and my wife's sound asleep. The dogs are sound asleep. And I said, okay, God, um, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to live through the night, but okay, I'll pursue this bison thing, whatever that means. And uh, it was the following October, so it had been October of 2013, 
I was back in the emergency room and um, they figured out, they, they uh, did a transesophical echocardiogram and figured out I had strep endocarditis. And I'm like, what's that? And they said, well, you know, uh, you're familiar with strep throat? I said, yes. They said, well, this is the same bacteria, but it's attacked your heart valves, and you now have gaping holes in your heart valves. You're going in for emergency surgery as soon as we can get you transported. And while we were waiting for the ambulance to transport me, they did a CAT scan and asked me if I had had any vision problems. And I had. I had several episodes where everything just kind of went gray. And they were standing there looking at me and shaking their heads. And they're like, we don't know why you're alive. Hmm. You've had multiple strokes. And we don't know why you're alive. So they got me transported. They got me into surgery and... I've got mechanical heart valves that you can probably hear clicking in the background right now. And um, I came out of there feeling great and fully recovered. And I'm like, okay, let's, um, you know, here I am, 58 years old and working a full-time job, running a bison ranch, running a meat company. We do about 90 farmer's markets a year. And while most people are thinking about retiring, I'm like, okay, how do we build this business? How do we pursue this? Post-surgery. Post-surgery. So you owned no bison before the surgery? We, um... Or did you already... No, no, we lived in town. And when my youngest son graduated from high school, um, we were like, okay, it's time to find a ranch and start this thing. So it was seven years ago that we uh, found our ranch and put an offer on it. We closed on it October of 2015. Got our first animals in January of 2016 and, and um, we're still building the herd. We started with five yearling heifers and now we have, I believe, 46 wow. out there. 46. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's a, some big God talk. Yes. I guess if God talks that loud, you listen. Uh, it, it had to be that obvious or I wouldn't have done it. And then you said almost 10 years ago exactly. I, mean, I am kind of curious. There was something almost 10 years ago exactly. What was that almost 10 years ago exactly? Um, we were at this fall conference for the Rocky Mountain Buffalo uh, Okay. Do you know what the date was, though? I'm just curious. Is there it was September <laughs> of 2012. Yeah. I can, I'm sure I can. Oh, that was a big day. That was a big month for me, too. Um. I, I I still have a picture of the day we were out and saw those animals for the first time. So I'm sure I could find it. Okay, so because of, I'm going to get a little bison nerdy before I forget, because I might get more personal on my own, um, just for everyone. But 
how how do you do this? How did you start a bison ranch? Like in the nut, coconut shell here, you started with five yearling heifers, meaning one year females. Is that what that means? That's right. And then how many acres did you? If you don't mind sharing all this. Oh I mean, no. Okay, because I, I think I know I know personally people are interested in these questions, and I've tried to ask a few times, and I've gotten some answers. So it'd be fun to get some new ideas. You know, it was it was a very daunting thought to do this because, like I said, I have no background in agriculture. Now, my wife was raised on a farm in Indiana, but me, um, nothing. You know, if you would have asked me to move a data center, I'd say, okay, this is going to be a lot of work. Let's plan it out and do it. And I've done that a few times. I've been through multiple data center migrations but this was very daunting, and there was one day I realized that, look, I'm in IT. I figure things out. Mm-hmm. I can figure this out, too. And so we started visiting more ranches, visiting other ranchers, and just asking them questions and learning everything we could about it. And the bison community is very welcoming and open, unlike you know, what I hear the cattle community is like, it can be pretty uh, competitive and cutthroat. Mm. But there was a lot of people that just opened their ranches up and showed us everything they're doing. Uh, They can talk about numbers and finance. Uh, They'll talk about how they raise their animals. And, And so we were kind of getting an education as we went and that day came where it's just like okay we just got to pull the trigger i think this property will work and we just so we're just going to do it and figure it out as we go and we're still on a daily basis just figuring it out and i don't have all the answers i've made a lot of mistakes but we're we're making it work and then what, but so one question that comes to mind for literal details is like the, how much acreage do you need slash for a per bison or, you know, it, it takes, um, you know, that answer depends on where you live in Colorado. Um, yeah. we're basically high desert and so we can't support, uh, a lot of animals. And so as my herd has grown, I've, had to um, buy a lot of hay and supplement with very good grass hay. And so as much as we can, they graze. Now this year was a really difficult year because we didn't get those spring rains and snowstorms that we like to get in Colorado. And where I'm at, a pretty severe drought. And so we're um, having to feed a lot of hay. We feed almost... Uh, every day usually six days a week sometimes seven well so what so let's this is a big question because we only buy from suppliers that are 100 percent grass-fed grass finished right for tribe vitamins so why do you not like because my understanding is about 90 percent of ranchers will like fin at least finish their bison on grain that's right can you explain this a little bit more so it's 
It's um, typically an economic decision or a business decision. And you can finish them and bring them up to slaughter weight a lot faster on different grains. Would some of those grains potentially be like sprayed with uh, Roundup or glyphosate and or are grass-fed bison eating grass that has that on there? I mean, just anyways, just throwing questions. That's a great question. And um, it is possible that they were, um, you know, had some chemicals. You know, we try to know where our hay comes from and know uh, how that was grown. But, um, you know, as far as, you know, the commercially finished animals, a lot of them will get uh, different grains, uh, like even spent dried distiller's grains and corn. Meaning from like a liquor distillery? Correct. Li- li- yeah. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And, and we had um, learned from our chiropractor about all the benefits of, of uh, grass-fed meat. And so we felt that that's what we should be doing, and there's other reasons behind that. But uh, it does cost more to finish that way. It takes longer. But there are benefits to the meat. Um, You know, one of the particular things is the omega-3 and the omega-6 balance is correct, where it will be out of balance on a grain-finished on grain finished meat. But on the other side of things, as we've gotten further into the industry, we've also learned a lot from the, um, from the big feedlot operators that a lot of those guys are more concerned about, ironically, more concerned about the health and well being of the animal than some of the 100% grass people. Hmm. Because they just put them on grass and here you go, good luck. And where the um, the feedlot guys are watching the nutrition and their intake very closely. So honestly, we've learned a lot from the feedlot operators. And, you know, it's not a choice that we've decided to go. But, um, you know, if that's what they want to do, great. Because... If we only produced grass-fed bison, um, there would be a lot less on the market. It, you just cannot have. Uh, you mean we as a like a country or an industry or as an a, industry? Yeah, yeah, correct. That's right. There'd be a lot less bison available. You both basically. Oh, I mean, how much more meat is made from those? Is it is it a ninety-day duration or like what is this? Po- because I've heard different things. You probably know a lot yeah. more than I do. Honestly, I, I don't exactly know. Because <laughs> you're you not doing about, it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess if you so, multiply all the bison that are being slaughtered by all the meat that's being added by feeding. Mm-hmm. But that's not a good idea, in my opinion. To, if, if those grains, from my understanding about how it impacts the animal. It does. And like I said, it's not the choice that I've made i feel that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing but um you know there's a lot of heated arguments you know back and forth on both sides of that fence i bet and um i've just um 
decided to stay out of that argument. This is what I do, and you well, know, good luck. At least that way, people can. Um, what you're doing will benefit people through Tribe Vitamins. That's right, right. And you know, like, I even, see the impact. I hear the. I yeah. hear the results of this like constantly. This is really working for people. And. I need to be one of those taking those. So. <laughs> yeah, I have a variety here. I've got bison liver, the organ complex, and we just launched a, uh, which I was thinking about, you might be interested in it. I'm not even sure how easy this is going to be sit to sell on our website, but the elk antler, so the North American elk antler, mixed with the liver and heart. And that there's something there. I'll tell you what, the antler is a whole nother story have y'all have you used any antler before we have not oh man well not to get too much off track there maybe i'll do like an intro about that but that's a good uh, first of all it's my, my understanding it's the only thing that regenerates like the only part that regenerates naturally every year on a that's mammal true yeah. and that whatever is regenerating that antler if you <laughs> harvest it at the correct time and freeze it right the correct and then there's a there's a highly uh, strong medicinal effect that a lot of people claim, and then a lot of people don't think so, for whatever reason. But in my opinion, a lot of times when there's a a natural medicine that's like a single ingredient food, uh, there's the like for instance, like I don't think the pharmaceutical industry loves that, especially oh, if it competes, if it competes with like growth hormone, for instance. Yeah. 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 That that's a whole nother difficult discussion <laughs> <laughs> yeah my dad's been a pharmacist for over 40 years so i'm used to talking about it right i know there's a few like that i still i've said it many times in the podcast and i'll say it again but like the opiate addiction which is very i think uh maybe an issue for a lot of people currently and recently um there's a, like a leaf called kratom leaf have you heard of kratom i haven't kratom it's like from the coffee plant, and if you grind it up, it hits like the opiate receptors in a way. But it, it's not a drug; it's a leaf ground up. And you, if you like Google that, you'll hear all kinds of crazy stuff, like crazy stuff. But if you have a little bit of it, especially if someone's trying to get off of opiates, they might find it might be the most effective way to do that by far. By far. I've read a couple of books about the opiate addiction, excuse me, addictions. Um, it's pretty, pretty frightening. Yeah. Um, dope sick is um, some pretty horrible stories, you know, real stories. Uh, another eye-opening book was Empire of Pain. Um, you just have to read it. Those were the names of two books, Dope Sick and Empire of Pain? Correct. Wow. Um, you know, sometimes, I, as you can see, I can go off to any topic any time, but we're at 33 minutes in. Is there anything you want to make sure you say before I take us somewhere else, potentially? Um, do you want to get into chiropractic? I've had some chiropractic chiropractors on the show one of my friends in north boulder they're the one of the places to sell tribe vitamins travis stewart and sarah from move north chiropractic in boulder they're awesome i know they're most of the chiropractors are me are awesome people and they're so well um well versed in nutrition and fitness firstly 
which is pretty amazing. Right. To have like such a, just a clear pattern of the chiropractors I've met. I'm like, wow, these people really seem to know uh, nutrition much better than uh, medical students, medical doctor students, for instance, is my opinion. Call me, call me racist, but that's what I said. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, tell me, what, how is this chiropractic care? You know, we were neighbors with a chiropractor when our sons were in high school. And we started going to um, his practice. And I realized one day that I stopped having migraine headaches. Hmm which I had struggled with since I was very young. And there were times that um, I would sense one coming on and I could go to my chiropractor. And I'll, I'll say his name. I really believe in what he does. Uh, Dr. Zach Almey. And he's, you know, gone in and he can work on my head with his fingers, and my headache would go away, gone. Mm. And we very much believe that it was my constant care from him that kept me alive during those four months mm. that I had um, struggled with strep endocarditis because there were just some of the craziest symptoms that they couldn't figure out what was wrong. But... Um, you know, when you realize that I've had multiple strokes, my heart valves had gaping holes in them, and multiple doctors are like saying, why are you still here? Why are you alive, let alone standing here? We attributed to routine chiropractic care. And it's like you said, they are very concerned about, you know, the whole human being and your your nutrition and you know your your spiritual life and your um, you know just all the aspects of your life. It's not just about going in and getting your back cracked and see you later. Well, and it sounds like you have a real gem of a doctor, right? In a way, which that could carry over same to the met, like a pediatrician, for instance. Like there are some pediatricians that might just be like go 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 prescribe 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 and then there might be some that are like sincerely curious about each child's unique health right. you know <laughs> and after, i guess that can happen with the chiro care as well you know after we started our rants we were you know like an hour and a half away from zach and he recommended another guy in uh fort collins that we see now and um, it's Mountain Valley Chiropractic. And um, again, it, there was a while that I stopped going to see him and my migraine headaches came back. Mm. And so I started seeing him and they're gone. Mm. And then it was, it was last summer I had an episode. Ever since my heart surgery, I've had some um, episodes with AFib. And generally, they were short and would go away. Uh, but one time last summer, it lasted for several hours. I went into the ER. Uh, they gave me some drugs, waited a little bit, gave me some more drugs, and said, well, guess they're not working. Just go home. 
you know, call your cardiologist in the morning if it doesn't stop, which wasn't too comforting. And the next morning, I was still suffering from AFib. And my wife was like, hey, why don't you just go to the chiropractor and just get adjusted? I'm like, yeah, I can't hurt. And I went in, I called him, and they said, oh, yeah, come right in. And I realized when I was walking out the door that, oh, hey, it stopped. My AFib stopped. I feel great. Hmm. Wow. So you want to break normal, find a good chiropractor. <laughs> well, well, allegedly, I know a lot of them, including tra people talk about Travis. Like he's just a bit of a miracle worker in some ways. I believe it. It depends on what you believe about miracles. Yeah. And then what about the bison and like uh, health? Is that anything to, what do you think about? Like, has this helped changed? Is this part of your health journey? Like bison meat specifically? I, or bison organs? or? Yeah, I would say yes. Now, you know, some people look at me and say, well, you're not very healthy. And, you know, if you look at Daniel and me, we don't exactly have the same body profile. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I look at what I'm doing and it's like, okay, I do need to take better care of myself. I need to make that a bigger priority, but... I'm working a full-time job. I work on the ranch. I, you know, trying to build this meat business. Uh, we do, like I said, 90 farmer's markets a year. And it's like, I am able to accomplish a lot, even though I don't look like your typical, you know, super healthy athlete. Um, you know, most people can't believe that a 58-year-old fat white guy is doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and so, um, but we do eat a lot of bison meat. And do we have a great diet? Not perfect, but it's, uh, you know, most of the meat is our grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat. Yeah, every experience I've had from the meat that I've gotten from y'all has been like, wow, this looks like top quality. Great. Yeah. Oh, by the way, can't people buy your meat online and such? Yeah, memphisranch.com. Okay. If someone wants to reach out to you, is that the best way to reach out to you as well? Yeah, you can um, go on our website and our phone number and uh, email is on there. Memphisranch.com. I mean, most people are going to think, is this in Tennessee? It is not in Tennessee, <laughs> and there's a story behind that, and it was while we were looking for a ranch, we were looking for property, my wife had a dream, and she just heard the words Memphis. It's only 68 miles from Denver, and we <sighs> thought that was very strange, and, uh, you know, there's no Memphis, Colorado, or even Wyoming, or kansas or anything but what we discovered was memphis was an ancient city in egypt it was about 10 miles from where the um, pyramids are and one of the things it was known as it was a haven of goodness and we thought wow that would be a great 
name for a ranch. You could choose to live in a haven of goodness. Mm. And when we we found this property, we put an offer on it, and it was that was on a Saturday. Monday, I'm back at work, and I'm working at Digital Globe down in Denver. And I thought, wow, this is going to be a bit of a drive. And so I got on Google Maps, and what do you know? It's 68 miles <laughs> from where I was working. And I called my wife and said, you're not going to believe this. So we said, okay, that sounds like a good name for a ranch. Let's just <laughs> I like it. call I like it that. It. I like it. Memphis. I mean, I had Memphis, I think of, ten, I think of like for, for some reason pit bulls because I had an experience with my dog there. And uh, is it Elvis from Memphis? He was. You yeah. know, Graceland is there. Yeah, that's right. Elvis. Elvis. Well, Other than that, I don't know much about Memphis. <laughs> Tennessee. That's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I, while also it's coming up, like I, I hear things about, like, once again, I'm such an outsider of this whole thing, but I guess that's how it begins, you know, maybe studying it and watching it and talking about it and learning about it and talking to experts. But I hear about like how bison are so hard, like the fence thing, like the fences, the putting them into a thing, uh, even killing them, um, all of it. It's, and or and aren't bison better for our land? And anyways, I'm just going to leave that question here for you. Yes, they are much more work. Um. I had a friend that raised both cattle and bison, and the simple way that he described it is bison are easier to raise, they are harder to handle. You know, we don't worry about weather. We don't care how bad the ice storm or the blizzard mm -hmm. is. Um, it's a very hardy animal. They'll just be laying out there, nose into the wind, and just waiting for the storm to pass, mm -hmm. and... <laughs> they're not concerned about it but as soon as you need to do something with them then it gets sporty like any handling um that gets i i don't know how else to describe it but it's sporty sporty <laughs> is that uh, what you said sporty sporty yeah, yeah I like that word. that's a nice word it takes um, much stronger infrastructure. Your fences need to be taller. Um, I've seen them jump right over a six-foot fence from a stance. That's amazing. Come on, Cal, can can can, he, can like a long kind of like a crazy bull from a rodeo do that or not? I'm wondering. Um, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know much about you know the beef industry or raising cattle. Um, my sister-in-law does raise cattle but um i just do my thing and i, I don't know i stay out of it <laughs> and um but they are incredibly athletic they can run for miles they can you know stop on a dime when they're running it's it's truly amazing they're just so majestic so athletic um you know, when you're around them for a while, you'll you'll feel that and sense their presence. And um, I've heard a comparison. They say their hooves are different than that of cattle, and so their um, 
Apparently their hooves are sharper and so it'll break up the surface mm -hmm. of the soil more than just compacting it. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I've heard it. Me too, I've heard it as times. well. Kind of so, makes sense. Yeah. But they thrived. They're heavier. Aren't they bigger overall than um, cows? Or is, I, I, I mean, think fully grown they are. They're the biggest mammal. They, they of, can be, yeah. But I guess maybe in this in the industry of ranching, maybe they're yeah. not much of a difference. Um, uh, the first two bulls I had, the day came that I had to take them in to be processed, and they were um, seven years old. Um, they were 2,000 pounds when I took them in, and they were amazing. And, I, you know, the one in particular, he, um, he just had a great personality. He would come right up and stick his nose in the window of my truck, and he would eat right out of my hand. But um, I can't say I was afraid of him, but... You need to have a very healthy respect for that animal. And, you know, you just don't do anything stupid. You need to be very aware of, you know, what kind of a mood they're in. And you're always on guard. Yeah, my, I heard that, like, in, for instance, that yellow, in Yellowstone National Park, the animal that kills people the most is bison by far. Like photographers that get too close, basically. Right. Because they're not as aggressive, say, as a grizzly, but people are not going up to grizzlies and, like, trying to get too close to a 2,000. Like, are, how big are the bulls in Yellowstone? Do you know? Are they much? They're probably bigger than what I have. You know, that's very mature herds up there. I have a very young herd. Uh, the oldest ones I have are seven years old. Most of them are younger. Um. That bull you were talking about, you know, that sounded a little sad. Y'all killed that, that y'all got that bull <laughs> processed. Like, did, did you name it? Did you have a name to it? Or no? What do y'all think about this? I mean, that, when you're saying, yeah. you're describing it coming up to you and eating out of your hand, I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah. Now the Disney feelings are coming in for sure. It was really difficult. And, and people tell you, don't name your animals. Don't name your animals. I named my animals. <laughs> you know, some of them. And it was two bulls, and it was Big Heart and Braveheart. Mm. And, you know, they were getting to that point in their life where they were starting to fight. And I had other experienced ranchers watching their interactions and, and knowing that at that stage in their life, they start getting aggressive towards other bulls. And they said, look, um, one of these days there's going to be a fight and one of them's going to die. You just need to get these off of here before mm -hmm. something tragic happens. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that was a really difficult business decision because emotionally I wanted to keep these guys. They were amazing. They were beautiful animals. And, uh, that day came that I had to take them in, and I was, I was a wreck. I, I just couldn't believe I had to take them in. And um, it, was, it was a very hard day.
really hard day. And, um, but I have a business to run, and unfortunately, I had to um, make that business decision and not an emotional decision. And why not just one? You still, when they get to that age, they start getting standoffish and ornery, you know, seven, eight years old, they get more difficult. And so typically on a ranch, they don't keep much past that age. And where in the wild, they just let them go until they naturally pass away, which will easily be 20 plus years old. Wow. Wow. Um, on that note, testicles, are testicles coming from bulls that are killed or are they coming yes. from bulls that are castrated or, or both? Um, that's one of the things that dist distinguishes the bison industry from the cattle industry. We do not castrate. We don't do steers. Uh, we don't dehorn animals. We don't brand animals. Really? Uh, wow. No steers, branding, castrating. I mean, that's pretty interesting. Is that like a standard, industry standard? Mostly. And I think there's probably those outliers out there that do some things. I know Custer State Park brands their animals. What's that? What's Custer State Park? Um, it's in South Dakota up in the Black Hills. And they do the big roundup every year. And if you, I think just this last Saturday, they did the big roundup and where they'll bring all the animals in and check them and then they'll sell some off because they want to maintain uh, a healthy number for their land so they're not overpopulating and getting, um, you know, sick animals and they can treat them. And so it's, it's a very um, good conservation approach, I think, to maintaining the balance between land and the animals and the health of both. So, wow. Um, so many questions. Holy moly. Hmm. Do you have any questions for me? When are you going to come visit us? Uh, this, that's a good one. That, it's like we are like two hours from here. Oh, well, it's about an hour and a half, maybe. I think maybe pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see, I mean, yeah, I want to see this. I want to see the operation. Y'all are li living on the ranch, like there with the bison? We are. The 46 of them? Mm-hmm. I look out my front window and see bison. <laughs> I mean, but you say treat them, and we just bring it full circle. Are you happy that your kids did not get vaccines? Absolutely. Do bison get vaccines? A lot of them do. A lot, not all? Not all. Um, what's, yeah, what's going on with that? How does this work? You know, if they are raised in confinement, there are some health concerns that, um, that they can treat. They've had pretty good luck with vaccines. Um, we've seen some... What's the, what's the main... What do they, is there a main thing that plagues bison? Or? Um, I could name two or three that uh, have been concerns. 
Brucellosis is Is that one. the reason they're sheep and bison together? That's why that original That's right. And also that, full circle. It's like the upward spiral now, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sheep carry a virus called malignant catarrhal fever or MCF that is fatal to bison. And you'll have no symptoms other than one day they just fall over dead. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember watching did y'all watch Yellowstone in the show? Um, I've seen like the first season. Okay, they brought that up in the show. They they talked about the brucellosis thing. There was like a war going yeah. on with anyways. But that's um, brucellosis. Uh, what I've heard, it's you know it can be in cattle, it can be in elk. Um, I've talked to one vet that he thinks the brucellosis problems in Yellowstone National Park are from elk and not the bison. Um, and it was mm. just his opinion, but I tend to believe him. Hmm. Um, MCF was the other one. There's another. What's r- MCF? The malignant catarrhal fever that's related to sheep. Oh, okay. That also related to sheep. In, in addition that, to brucellosis, or is it the same thing? It is different. Okay. I don't know if brucellosis is related to sheep. Oh, okay. Um, I know the MCF is. Okay, okay. Um, there is also um, mycoplasma, which is a respiratory problem, which can affect, um, you know, large numbers of animals. And so there have been some isolated outbreaks of that in bison herds, and they've noticed that uh, some animals that have had certain vaccines aren't affected. Um, my opinion is, you know, if you're if you're raising animals for meat, and you know, maybe it's better that they have some shots. Maybe I'm certainly not an expert on that, but um, you know, we're still very new in the industry. You know, having only done it for six and a half years now, we're yeah. still learning. So, um, am I an anti-vaxxer? Yes. On animals, um, I'm not sure. It's a little, it's a little, that's, a, that's a, I think, an un, under-navigated waters for the, our collective, including for dogs, because I've heard absurd amounts of, uh, for instance, cancer in dogs. I don't know if you've heard these numbers. I'm like, how do dogs start? Like, is it 90? What is the percent? I was like, is this true? And and what do, what percentage of dogs are vaccinated? I'm imagining it must be like if they're owned. Very high. It must be like 90 mm-hmm. plus. Uh, it was a year ago. We I don't that. know that. I was just guessing, by the way. Don't yeah. fact check me on these. I'm just guessing <laughs> out loud like a reckless man. Um, it was a year ago. One of my One of my rescues had gum cancer that was untreatable. And the day came that it was the right thing to do to put him down. And, uh, you know, I was, I was heartbroken. And I've, I've asked that question, you know, we, my wife and I have had that discussion is why, why do so many dogs get cancer? It's crazy. Is it like the test? That's what the, 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 this is a big question because it's like, is it the testing now that our technology Mm-hmm. is so advanced for testing for so many different things. You know, there's some people that believe, like, if you look for something, you're going to find it. Right. And the dogs are getting tested like never before. Or is it because they're all getting 
<laughs> yeah. Or is it the dog food or is it the, you know, gosh, Lee. It is really it opens. the dog food? Is it the dog food? I don't know. Uh, I mean, that dog food looks gnarly. Normal dog food looks pretty gnarly to me. Yeah. And if a dog eats that every day for their whole life. Right. Yeah. Um, big questions. I don't know. Big questions for the canines out there. Oh, man. Oh, I also, like, what about the, um, like, the feet, like, the grass fields they roll in? Like, a lot of parks, like, I, I don't know, I trust dog parks are not sprayed, but I don't know. I don't know. But, like, for instance, like, if people are taking their dogs, like, golf courses and such, and they're, like, rolling all in it, that might be right something to consider as well. But even the dog that we lost a year ago, you know, he... Um, we never took him to dog parks. We'd walk him around our neighborhood, and then he lived on the ranch. And it wasn't until we were out on the ranch that he started developing this gum cancer. Huh. And um, you know, we thought we were getting you know premium dog food, but I don't know. Well, in, if um, this might be delusional. But if I was, and I kind of do it in my position, but I imagine if I was in y'all's position, why not just like all raw bison? They, <laughs> they get a lot, but we still, you know, they primarily eat a, a better dog food as far as we know. <laughs> but, um, you know, could we 100% feed them raw bison? We could. Like trim, Maybe organs, bones. Right. And they get a lot of the knuckle bones. Nice. I bet they like chewing and, on uh, those. Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's like the greatest day ever. You know, they may get one a week and they'll chew on that thing for days. <laughs> and uh, I need to hook your dogs up with uh, some good knuckle bones. Yeah, they get to eat a lot. Like even sometimes, so for instance, when we do like the elk liver or, um, up at the local lab, and when they mill it, the skin is a little more fibrous of the liver, which you might know or not. It has like a fibrous um, tissue around it. And that, a lot of that doesn't make it into the capsules. So they get to okay. like eat all this like liver skin. Oh, okay. And all kinds of things. And when I do, um, yeah, like they eat all kinds of organ trimmings. A lot, they eat a lot of bison heart fat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've eaten a lot of, te uh, this is a little, more, a little more graphic to think about. They've eaten a lot, I, I, a lot of scrotums. Yeah. A lot. Okay. Because those don't go into the testicle formulas, <laughs> the scrotums. Those scrotums really maintain the meat nicely. He does have amazing looking dogs. Oh, the dog! Oh, yeah, the dogs are your dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. they're like shiny. Yeah, I get yeah. a lot of questions about that. I'm like, well, they they eat kind of like different. Yeah, yeah. That's an hour exactly. An hour exactly. I mean, I, I feel like I could go on for hours and hours, but I know it's like dark outside and such. <laughs> how how's it like? How'd y'all end up on the front range, by the way? Because y'all you mentioned you lived in Longmont and now you live farther away. How do you like that kind of living? I'm just curious for myself if I ever decide to yeah. embark upon a ranch one day or sorts. Uh, we originally moved from Indiana 16 years ago, and it was a job transfer, and. Um, I commuted to Boulder for a year, and uh, 
We finally moved here in June of 2006 and lived in Longmont, which was a great place to raise kids at the time. And then uh, we knew it was time to pursue this other life. And it is truly amazing being out on the ranch and it is so peaceful and it is very different. We started um, this spring, we started being a host with an organization called Harvest Host. It allows people in RVs to come and park overnight in Boondock. Uh, see, I've, I, I've heard of other companies that do, that do this, but this is another one. Okay, this right. sounds epic. Okay, go ahead. Go it's ahead. it's amazing organization. There's no charge for them to come and park on a ranch overnight. They have to be fully self-contained. And the expectation is that they buy product from the local farm or ranch or vineyard or whatever it is that they're staying at. So you all sell products right there on your ranch? We do. Okay. You have like a little storefront or something? or Yes. Oh, yeah. I definitely yeah. want to check you all out. Am I? And um, so another rancher friend recommended that we do this. And finally in April, we signed up to do it. And I think we've had... Uh, just about 200 guests this year, 200 different RVs, and um, nearly everybody has bought stuff. We allow them to just ride out in the truck with us when we feed the herd. And, um, you know, it's some people have come directly from the Black Hills, like Custer State Park or, or Yellowstone, and then they'll come down to our place. And they said, well, we were at Yellowstone, and we only saw one animal, and, you know, he was half a mile away. And so when we go out and feed, they you are right in the middle of the herd, and but you stay in the truck. Yeah, it sounds like you got, and, y'all uh, got a setup to visit and, and welcoming it, visitors. Uh, but it is truly amazing to me that most people, when they arrive, they get out, and they're just like, oh, my gosh, this is beautiful. It's so peaceful out here. And that's the word that they keep using. It's so peaceful. Mm. You know, we're away from the noise of the cities and the highways because we have eight miles of dirt road. Mm. Really? To get to the ranch, eight um, miles of dirt road? We do. Is it bumpy, bumpy? Uh, Bumpy enough. We still drive 60 miles an hour on our... Oh, so you drive 60. Okay. (laughs) But that might also depends what you drive. Anyways, (laughs) is that your uh, own driveway? Uh, no. Okay, no, that's no, just no. to get to the, your driveway. And it's, it's um, <laughs> you know, the the number of homes going up around us, there's, there's a lot more than we'd like. But in the last uh, two or three years, there have been 10 new homes within a mile of us, which it's, you know, getting a little crowded. But for most people, we're still in the middle of nowhere. And uh, amazingly, we have a Verizon tower just a mile and a half away and we have fiber to the house and i still have my day job and just work from home and my boss is in bangalore india and uh life's great yeah i'm gonna come visit yeah thank you i saw you checking your watch there are you when you when you told me about that long driveway (laughs) (laughs) or that long dirt road (laughs) no it's my boss from bangalore is pinging us (laughs) oh wow okay 
Well, we're at one hour and six minutes here, remember, right before the creative constraint of one hour and 11 minutes. I, I am so thankful that you came this way with all the amazing goods. Like, in, in reality, I've been a little bit of a, like a maniac about food, like almost like a food, I don't know what you want to call it, like a f- superfood connoisseur with a f- pre-med background, pharmacist dad, nurse mom, hosting retreats with health enthusiasts for like 10 plus years. And I'm like, you just delivered me uh, 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison, testicles, heart, liver, and kidneys. That's top-notch. That's top. I mean, that's that's. And, and people buy that, you know, when it's, one, when it's all back into the bottles encapsulated in like certain ratios and mixtures. People buy them for me in the same way. They like buy them in parking lots with cash. They're like, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I got this like a little bit of like a drug dealer experience with having <laughs> without having to be one. Right. <laughs> this is the really good stuff. It is. The, I don't know what's richer. I mean, there are some things that compete, like uh, some shellfish, maybe like a fresh lobster. Maybe maybe like the richest royal jelly or honey. Um, but this is top notch superfoods. So thank you, thank you, and as you hear my dog stirring in there, they thank you as well. We all thank you. I mean, in a way, I I I don't know where this is all going to go, even when I'm doing it myself. But it seems to be making a really positive difference in the world, and especially like at a very polarizing time around this. Like, there's like a kind of a I know people that think there's like people that are like trying to they're trying to like shut down meat. Do you believe in this at all? I've heard this from too many sources to think there's not something behind it. And if you look at some of the trends in the industry and who's buying up all the agriculture land and who's the largest farmland owner in the U.S. right now, it is a little disturbing. Um, There have been a lot of food plants that have burned. Uh, Specifically food, plant, food plants that are processing meat? Yes. Um, like, sometimes I hear news. I, I treat the news like a show, but sometimes when it's really like somehow it's like, wow, this is going to really, right. is this affecting my business? What, is this real? Um, I think there's something to it. And I, I don't really know. Uh, I don't trust the mainstream media. Um. Yeah, I'm watching very close. And, you know, we had a call today from um, one of our guests that stayed on our ranch this summer and said, oh, gosh, we need to order some meat from you. And how's your supply? Because we're very concerned that we won't be able to get good meat in the coming months. And we said, well, we're pretty good at the moment. (laughs) So... Yeah, that's, uh, it's, you know, my brothers, like, they do really cool business things, but they're very, because of this thing that's going around, they're like, you're just buying all that bison organs, and they, like, think it's cool. I'm like, yeah, I think yeah. that's a good idea, too. Yeah. I'm just going to keep buying bison organs. Absolutely. And keep distributing them in the best way I know. Yeah. It's like a farm, it's like not a pharmacist, it's like the, kind of like the different version of what my dad's doing in a way. Anyways. Yeah. Thanks for uh, coming over and delivering the goods and getting all of us to think about more more of this. Anything else before we hit that one hour 11 mark? Thanks for your patience too. I know it's gotten all dark and beautiful and the stars are shining. 
Do y'all know what that is? Is that like a planet? Um, probably is on? kind of on the eastern horizon. Uh, couldn't tell you, but yeah, it's another beautiful night in Boulder. Goodness gracious. Yeah. I used to work here. I loved it. Do you have any theories on the numbers of bison that were here before the whole Europeans arrived and whole story around that? I've heard so many different numbers, like 30 is 70 million, 20 million, plus 50 million. Do you have any uh, The theories? numbers that I hear in the industry is consistently between 30 to 60 million. And that's what I hear as well. Yeah. And that's that car. I think our neighbor um, was nice enough to somehow start his car right now at the end. So to be continued. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to be here, Daniel. Yeah. I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more synergy here. And y'all keep breaking normal. And uh, hey, eat some bison liver for breakfast. Buy it here from him or get it in the tribe vitamins and just see what happens. For me and most others, it, it seems to like set people's palate. Like they get the nutrition their body's looking for. And they're not as hungry for other food. And they just have more stamina and resilience. And that, that notion that you said, I can do this. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt with this whole thing. Like, and you said, you don't know about the beef. I don't know either. I feel like the bison right. called me. And they, they called me to say, I can do this. So thanks for doing it, man. Thank you.